All right, Brian, thank you for taking the time. Much appreciated. So I'll give a quick glance into your career for everyone listening, and then we'll dive into some questions. So we'll start out with the beginning of your career. You played college basketball, UNC Asheville, Brevard College, two great schools. Obviously, being able to play college basketball is quite an honor. You actually ended up going back to coach college basketball at Brevard College, which was obviously a great opportunity. And then you dove into the business industry of the spo- of sports. So you got to work for Nike, working your way all the way up to being Giannis Antetokounmpo's business director, and then even being in the front office for the Milwaukee Bucks, which is obviously quite an honor. And now, just recently over the last year, you began your own business, sports business ventures with your wife, which is obviously great. Uh, we'll get into that too, uh, which I'm definitely excited about. So we'll start off with the beginning of your career. What was it like playing college basketball, especially Division One, making it to March Madness? You could dive into any part of those, uh, those three questions I just asked, but what, it was, what was it like being able to play college basketball? Yeah, it was super special. For me, it was always a goal of mine to get to college and play. And, and, you know, it's, it's a, it's a privilege to do that. Not everybody gets the, the chance to do it, let alone go to March Madness and win the conference championship and, and then head, uh, head into the, you know, really one of the best parts of sports is, is that tournament. And so for me, it was a super special time. And, um, I learned a lot about, the game of basketball, the industry of sports, but also really about myself, uh, how I could become a leader um, on my team, how I could be a leader on campus. Um, and really, I, I attest a lot of my success towards um, growing up significantly um, through those college years in North Carolina. Absolutely. Yeah. So obviously, you had the opportunity to play in March Madness, too. What was that experience like? You're playing in obviously the biggest tournament in the country. March Madness is something everybody looks forward to every single year. Your school yeah. that was 15 and 17, you were a couple games under 500 that season, the regular season. What was that like being able to go on a run, win your conference championship, which obviously being 15 and 17 the regular season, nobody probably gave you guys a shot. What was that like being able to go on a great run and then being able to make the big dance? Yeah, I mean, it, it was an incredible run because when we went into the conference tournament, we were a very low seed. Um, and so uh, in lieu of that, we had to you know, play – through the playing games to get into the real tournament. And then we had a couple upsets. And when we got to the conference semifinals, it was really the big test. And we had a last second shot by Alex Kregel um, that just took us over the top, top 10 plays of the week on ESPN. And at the time, that was the outlet. There was no social media outside of Facebook and, and, and videos weren't really a thing back then on Facebook at that time. And so we go from that and then playing Radford in the conference championship and beating them. Um, I think that by that time we had the momentum, right? We had the confidence and momentum to do so. Um, and we had a great team. We had two all-conference players on our team, uh, Andre Smith and Ben McGonagall, and, and they were the leaders of the team. Um, and so they were able to, you know, use their seasoned veteran uh, experience and, and push through. Um, and then going to the playing game, and at that time in 2003, it was the only playing game. There wasn't a bunch of them. There was only mm-hmm. one. And so we played against Texas Southern um, in Dayton, Ohio, um, an amazing crowd, amazing basketball atmosphere, and, and hoop fans there. We ended up winning that game and then playing Texas in the first round. They were the number one team in the country yeah. that year. Um, and, you know, we stayed around. We They were a really good team. Um, mm-hmm. But we flew right to Alabama after that. I tell you, I still look back on that and, and how fast it went by. Being on Selection Sunday, winning, and then going to Selection Sunday, yeah. and then going to the uh, to the playing game, getting good, getting to Ohio the next night, flying to Alabama, and and it just was like 
I thought this was going to happen all four years. <laughs> you, know, I, you know, you just, as a freshman, you're like, yeah, this is, this is what happens. Yeah. And uh, you look back on it now and, how, and you realize how special it really was. Definitely. Yeah. It's a one in a million chance just making it. I mean, when you grow up playing yeah. basketball, you dream of playing in college basketball and then obviously playing in March Madison is even better, right? Not everybody has the chance of making it to the big dance. That's why it's so unique yeah. and obviously great experience. So obviously that was great to hear about. Appreciate you opening up about that. And then after a couple of years, it was one or two years you stayed at UNC Asheville. Then you transferred to Brevard College, right? Yeah. Uh, what was your time like playing there? Yeah. Yeah. So it was a smaller school, division two school. Um, so it was a, it was a little bit of a, um, uh, transition for me going from, you know, the division one March madness into the, to the division two level. But for me, it was a great opportunity, right. For playing time, for being a leader of the team and being on campus. Um, and so <laughs> coach Mike Jones was my coach for all four years, ended up coaching with him. Um, once I was done at Brevard and graduated mm-hmm. from there. Um, but it was a great experience. We ended up going back to Asheville and as a Division two school, beating them uh, my mm-hmm. senior year, which was an incredible feat for us in a, in a you know, marking of a kind of like the end of a chapter, yeah. right, from the beginning to the end. Definitely. And so I still have a lot of friends from Brevard um, and still have a lot of friends from Asheville. And, and I go down there every now and then. I was just named to the Board of Trustees at Brevard College. Um, so I just started that in September of this year, of this past year. And so it's a big honor for me to still go down there and reminisce and see my old friends and, and meet some new people as we continue to push forward on, on their on mission to educate young people um, at Brevard College. Congratulations on that, though. That's quite an honor, obviously. So what's your role like being a board trustee member? Do you oversee students? Do you give them advice? Obviously, I'm sure that's probably a big part of it. Yeah, so there's there's about 25 or so of us um, that are part of the, the board of trustees and selected from um, the president of the college and, and mm-hmm. the other board members. Um, and we really oversee and help advise on uh, decisions based on what the college wants to do financially, yeah. on campus, uh, curriculum, uh, athletic department type information, um, staffing. Mm-hmm. And so really trying to guide and help advise the college to make the best decisions uh, in pursuit of what the goals are, right? And that's mm-hmm. to have experiential learning at Brevard College and making sure that the students are getting the most out of their time there. Definitely. Okay, that's great. That's a great role, obviously, and quite an honor as well, being able to go back to yeah. your alma mater and be able to help out in any you know shape or form, but being part of you know the trustee yeah. board is obviously great. Uh, so congratulations on that. Uh, so when you Thanks. went back to coach, did you think you were going to coach forever? I remember you were talking to BC, which I went to BC. I was in the Sports Business Society, and now I'm back there for grad yeah. school. So I remember you said just a few months ago that you thought you'd coach forever when you went back to coach You know, back at Brevard College. Obviously, your career went a different path after like a year or two of coaching. But when you were back there coaching, was that what your main goal was at the time, was maybe just to be a coach forever? Yeah, so I thought it was um, for a couple of reasons. Number one, my grandfather was a, a college and high school coach for mm-hmm. about 40 to 50 years in Pennsylvania, uh, right outside of Philadelphia. And so I, I saw that, you know, career and he was a teacher as well. And I just I said to myself, what better way to have a career than to be on the basketball court as a coach, right? Like mm-hmm. you're at practice every day, you're in the weight room, you're recruiting players and I love that part of it, and, and basketball is such a big part of my life. And so I pursued that um, right away out of college, thinking that was going to be the path I was on. And I really loved it. I loved my time as a college coach. 
um, and being able to mold young people. And really at that time, I was still pretty young myself. Mm-hmm. But I think my personality and my outlook on life and how I treat others and um, just, you know, blended pretty well. Um, while mm-hmm. at the same time, I kind of was introduced to an opportunity to, to just learn about Nike. Mm-hmm. I, I randomly met someone that worked at Nike and they kind of opened my eyes like, you could work there too. Yeah. And so I said, okay, what would that even be? And so I went to a retail store from there and made $11.25 an hour. And my college coach, Coach Jones, who I referenced just a little bit ago, said, hey, Brian, like I, I support you in any decision you make. If you ever want to come back, there's always a spot here for you. Um, and so to have that support, knowing that I could always go back if I wanted to, mm-hmm. um, that I could go, you know, pursue this dream to work at Nike corporate. Um, and so I did, and it was a little bit of a leap of faith, really not knowing what was going on. But the thing that a lot of people don't know about my time as a college coach is in particular, when you're an assistant, a lower level assistant, and in particular at smaller schools, the pay is not that high. Mm-hmm. And so I had three jobs at the same time. And so yeah. when I was coaching, I also was an assistant teacher for a fourth grade, grade classroom at a Brevard Elementary. So I went in there from like 7 a.m. to about 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And then at 1 o'clock, I would leave. I would go to the college, and I would be, I would prepare for practice and weight training and all that. And then I would do that every Monday through Friday. And if I had a game and traveling, I might miss out a couple days throughout the season um, at, the, at the school. And then at night from 11 o'clock to 12 o'clock at night, I cleaned the local gym. Um, for an hour to hour and a half each night. Mm-hmm. And I did that seven days out of the week at Brevard Racquet Club. And so I had three jobs. I wasn't getting a lot of sleep, didn't eat a lot at that time because I was young and I had tons <laughs> of energy. Um, but I knew that I, I was like, there might be more for me out there. I don't know what that is. And Nike kind of came up as an option. And I was always a huge fan of the brand. And so I said, let's go, let's go attempt and see if we can make it happen. That's awesome. Obviously, yeah, like you said, you thought coaching would be what you do forever and sometimes life takes a turn for a reason obviously and things worked out and obviously you made it all the way up the whole sports industry and that's obviously a tough industry to dive into you know sports yeah. is a tough place to dive into because a lot of the time you need connections you need relationships starting out yeah. working three jobs being an assistant coach obviously that's a tough beginning just because you're balancing so much but i feel like all of that helped you become the person you are today you learned a lot from yeah. that experience but one question i have from that is Obviously, when it's tough at the beginning, you're bouncing around a lot. Your schedule is obviously tough from the beginning of the day to the end of the day. Did you ever feel like maybe this industry isn't for me just because of how much you're balancing at the beginning, especially when it's tough days, long days, long nights? It's obviously not easy to dive into. Did you ever feel like maybe this isn't for me? And did you ever feel like you were getting kind of discouraged from how tough it was? Yeah, I mean, you know... The reality of it is we all go through those ebbs and flows. I, I have a lot of sports metaphors I use throughout my life, and mm-hmm. it's the same as playing, right? There's not going to be a perfect game typically, right? There's going to be yeah. turnovers. There's going to be missed shots or whatever sport that you're that you're going to use. And it's the same thing in your career. Yeah, um, There's going to be tough days. There's going to be tough moments. And it's really the people that can endure and solve problems and, and be creative to find out, to get to the, to the goal or solution mm-hmm. that they want. And so when I was at the school, at the college, and I was teaching, I was also at the gym, I said there's more, right? I said mm-hmm. that earlier. But then at the same time, when I got to the store and I was working $11.25 an hour, driving 45 minutes there, driving 45 minutes home, working a 1 to 10 p.m. shift, and then the next morning, 8 
to, to five ship, meaning I had to leave the house at like 6 a.m. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, it was tough. And so mm-hmm. I grew up in a military family. My dad went to the Naval Academy, and he's still part of the Department of Defense right now at 72 years old. And, mm-hmm. and he said, hey, Brian, you could go in as an officer into the Navy. And, you know, he, he was a Navy guy his whole entire life. And I said, yeah, maybe that's what I'll do. Maybe mm-hmm. I'll go into the Navy and be an officer. You know, I love the country. I love the U.S. and love, love the Navy. So um, maybe I'll go do that. And, uh, you know, but I still had the goal in mind to get the Nike corporate. And so the reason why I share that as part of, you know, the other options that were out there, there always will be other options. Mm-hmm. And so you take, you go down a path and it's not the right one. There's another option. Mm-hmm. You just have to go find it. You have to be open to it and you have to be okay. If it doesn't work out, there's usually typically not a lot of rewards and people that don't take a lot of risk. Definitely. And, and so you have to be willing to do whatever is personally okay with you to do. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a different risk tolerance. Everybody has a different goal. Mm-hmm. And so you can't measure your success towards other people's criteria of what success is or how it's measured. And also you have to make sure in yourself that you understand that your goals at 22 might be different at 32, might be different at 42, mm-hmm. right? And so your goals change and the goalposts of those um, uh, will continue to move throughout your life. And so you have to be able to evolve. You have to be able to problem solve. And for me, it was like, I'm going to keep pushing and testing to get to Nike corporate, but also know that I did have an endpoint at some point. If it wasn't going to work out, I would have gone and done something else yeah. and been successful at that. Um, but I had some, uh, some amazing mentors and I had some amazing people that helped me along the way. I definitely did not do it myself. Mm-hmm. And, and those people really helped me get to where I am today. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And I love the way you summed it up. Obviously, everybody has different timelines, goals. People have different connections. Obviously, especially at the beginning, everyone starts out at different you know, spots on the starting line. So uh, I, do, I do really like the way you put that. And obviously, thank you to your dad as well for his service. 72 years old, still being a part of the military is obviously great. So thank him for his service uh, for me. But when you look at your career, obviously, like you said, it was easy to get discouraged at the beginning, especially when you're working three jobs. I mean, that's a lot to balance on a daily basis. Then you finally broke things, you know, broke your way up into Nike and worked your way up. Yeah. How did you get into products creation at Nike? Yeah, so for me, the journey, you know, was pretty unique. I uh, typically in larger corporations, people move up vertically mm-hmm. through the same department, right? And so if you're in product creation, you typically start at a very entry level product creation job and you slowly work your way up. For me, I did a couple of different jobs. Like we said, the retail job, I went mm-hmm. to an entry-level brand marketing job in the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area and did that for about two years. And then from there, went to a sales job in Houston, Texas. And from that, I was able to then, you know, put together this opportunity to showcase my skill set and tell my narrative of, hey, I'm a college basketball player and then coach. Then I, then I did retail. Then I did brand marketing. Then I did sales. I really know the consumer because I am the consumer still at some capacity. I also know how to market. I also know how to sell. I could go into product creation and be the the, pro, the, the product leader uh, within the triad of development and, and design to build footwear around the consumer based upon my expertise in those other spaces. And mm-hmm. so for me, I didn't move up vertically really yeah. at all at Nike. I hopped from different sector of the, each department And to me, I found out very early on that was going to be my identity and how I was going to be uniquely different. Mm -hmm. Some people become subject matter experts in brand marketing and go from specialist, from coordinator to specialist, the manager, the senior manager, to director, to senior director, 
to uh, vice president to senior vice president to maybe CMO. Mm-hmm. For me, I went to coaching, playing, coaching, retail, brand, sales, product creation, sports marketing, and then uh, front office front office executive. And so for me, it was more about getting a robust level of exposure and experience mm-hmm. to be able to be a little bit more of a generalist in the, in the sense of I can be a leader of a group of people. I can also understand and appreciate those different functions because I did most of them. If yeah. not, didn't do them. I was directly working with them every day. And I think that makes a pretty well-rounded leader. Definitely. Um, and you do need specialists as well. And for me, it was more being real, well-rounded than it was to be just a specialist at that time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, you really did work your way all the way up from being just a store manager and then working your way up to the executive roles at Nike. Obviously, not many people can say they even started out you know, at the, at the bottom and then worked their way all the way up. Never mind just getting to the top. Starting from the bottom again all the way up, not many people can say. Like you said, some people you know, specialize in certain things so they can just jump right into the middle of the pack you know, in the hierarchy just based off experience, past experience. But you really did work your way all the way up. And I always thought humble beginnings obviously shape you into the person you are and facing adversity and everything you had to do in the beginning – Everything obviously worked out at the end. And I remember you talked about your friend Nico, a relationship you had before you even made your way all the way up. Tell me a little bit about Nico and what his relationship has meant to you. Yeah, so so Nico, when I first met him, was the vice president of Nike Basketball Sports Marketing. And really the, the job uh, there is to sign NBA athletes mm-hmm. to the Nike brand and then uh, allow the other team's product Um's uh, brand marketing to utilize those that those athletes in that portfolio to sell products or overall marketing campaigns or whatever it might be. And so when I was in the brand marketing role in Washington D.C., um, I was able to get some time on his schedule to f- introduce myself. Mm-hmm. And you know, right away I knew he was a little bit different than a lot of other people that I was that I've worked with in the past. He was a really uh, strong leader very upfront and straightforward individual had a, had a, a, a really strong background um, prior to Nike as a professional basketball player and then worked in pharmaceutical sales before coming to Nike mm-hmm. uh, and just was a, you know, had a little bit of this persona about him that I, I wanted to learn more. And, and I was able to do that over the course of about 2010 mm-hmm. to about 2016 um, and over a six to seven year gap. I was able to build a relationship that started off with a five-minute meeting that ended up being playing pickup together and getting lunch together and walking around campus together and him mentoring me and, and understanding my my journey through Nike mm-hmm. from brand marketing to sales to product creation. And he helped guide me in a lot of those ways and also watch me grow mm-hmm. in a lot of those ways. So when an opportunity came, when the NBA and Nike came together and uh, built a partnership through a licensing deal, um, of the NBA uniforms, um, they needed someone in Chicago, Illinois. Mm-hmm. And so I got the call um, and moved to Chicago, Illinois from Portland, Oregon into that sports marketing role, and he became my boss. Mm-hmm. And over those, the course of those six or seven years together, you know, I really relied on him to kind of show me the path. And, you know, a lot of it was believing in me more than anything. Mm-hmm. And, and he really did. And he gave me the tools but also gave me the autonomy to find out how I was going to work the ecosystem of the NBA in sports. Um, and he and he was able to do that, I think, through the trust and the relationship built over those six years. He saw me and watched me move through the organization at Nike mm-hmm. and work with different entities of people and organizations and said, yeah, he could do this 
at the highest level in the NBA. And, you know, when I left to go to the Milwaukee Bucks in 2021, 2020-2021 season, mm-hmm. um, he left shortly after and now is currently the president and GM of the Dallas Mavericks. And so we still talk to this day, still call him for advice and still catching up on family. And, and you know, that's one thing I would always advise everybody is it's not about the, the amount of people that are part of your network. It's about the quality of people that are part of your network. And so you could have a hundred people that you say, you know, mm-hmm. but it's better to know five that really know you. And mm-hmm. so he really knows me and the other mentors that I have, that's about five or six other people that really know me and I can call them for family advice, work mm-hmm. advice, life advice. And that's what I would advise people that are looking for mentorship and looking for people to help them. Mm-hmm. It's, it's about the quality, not the quantity. Definitely. And I think your experience obviously doing everything you did from playing to starting low at Nike, working your way all the way up. That's obviously a great relationship to have for kids that are trying to start out. So that's obviously why Sports Business Ventures is a great way for people to dive into the industry is because if people want to work in product creation, you know things about that. You know things about trying to work your way up and work in a front office for an NBA team. You know what it's like working with players if people want to be players' agents. Like You did a lot of stuff, obviously, and have a great background. And that's why it's great to have those experiences where if somebody wants to join Sports Business Ventures and work in – you know, part A or part Z, you know a lot about everything, which is great. And like Nico, I mean, he worked his way all the way up to now being a front office executive and being the GM of the uh, Dallas Mavericks, which is great as well. Uh, But if you look at your career, obviously, so you started out, you know, small, worked your way up. At what point did you think, wow, one day I might have my own business? Did you ever think like, I'm going to have my own (laughs) business one day, which obviously it's great, you know, to aspire, but it's obviously hard to get there. And obviously your business is a great way for people to dive into the sports industry, especially kids that are just graduated college, looking for ways in. But my question was, sorry to go all the way around, but uh, did you ever imagine you were going to have your own business? Uh, I'll be honest with you, no. Um, I would say to you when I was at at Brevard coaching, I wouldn't envision me being at Nike. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I just, you know, grew up with a, a mom that was a school teacher and a dad that was in the military. So high-level corporate roles and business and, and all that really wasn't a everyday conversation at the house. No, sports was, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we, my sister played Division One lacrosse, um, and, we, you know, my cousins played um, at all levels of lacrosse and basketball and track and field and all that. But it wasn't, it wasn't like, hey, we're going to be titans of industry. Mm-hmm. In any sense, that's not the type of family we grew up in. And so for me, it was more... My expert, like that's why I always say get experience and get exposure Mm -hmm. because the more people you meet, the more things you do, regardless if it's a volunteership for free or a a paid job, you're going to have a different perspective. And that perspective becomes more Mm well-rounded and that uh, enables you to have more opportunity. Mm -hmm. And so for me, as I was able to expose myself to more things, more opportunities continue to happen. And so for me, I try to pick up every phone call, trying to respond to every text trying to respond to every email, trying to meet as many people as I can and genuinely build relationships or Mm -hmm. help people out. Because at the end of the day, opportunities come from that, whether it's for me or the other person or the other company, Mm -hmm. whatever it is. And so I couldn't ever envision of of that over the last couple of years, the, the more senior I get in my, in my career, the more exposure I've got to entrepreneurship and that there's an opportunity for me to run my own company uh, with my wife and have autonomy in that, but also have the freedom to go capture and attack parts of the business that I think 
that I do really well mm-hmm. and that my company does really well. And so that's where Sports Business Venture really, really was created, was to, at first, was to um, help out young people that want to work in sports like I did 20 years ago and say, this is a tool that I wish I would have had. And mm-hmm. so that free newsletter every Tuesday morning of a sports uh, leader being featured to uh, jobs that are on our social page or on mm-hmm. our premium newsletter to now really going into building out educational inventory with an accredited university where you're going to, or students or even people that are out of school can get educational platforms um, to understand the front office of sports, sneakers, athlete management, whatever that might be. We're going to be soon offering those opportunities to the masses to be able to learn from experts in the space for an affordable price. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, the businesses that have come up um, from whether it's brand marketing and consulting to to strategy and, and being a broker of entities in sports to other types of businesses, Sports Business Ventures is becoming one of those destinations where people are seeing there's an opportunity to work with us and that we see an opportunity to work with others, whether it's a student and a professional athlete, another type of sports company, or a company that wants to work in sports but doesn't really have the experience or exposure to it. So it's been a lot of fun building it out. And like I said, the more exposure you get, the more opportunities come. Definitely. And I'll definitely make sure to put a link to your website too in the description uh, so people can go check it out. Uh, But how do you decide which professionals to choose for each newsletter, which I'm sure it's a lot of work trying to reach out to people, get people to contribute. But is there a way, do you have like a list of people? Okay. At some point I want to get this person, that person, or does just, does it just come up in, in, in any order where it's just people reach out and say, Hey, I'd like to help out and write, or do you reach out to them? Yeah, we do a lot of outreach and, and now we've done 34 to date. We've now in the last like 10 weeks or so are getting people reaching out to us, which has been a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so when the first original idea came, I took my, took about two or three hours and just sat on my phone and I went through my contacts list of a couple thousand people and said, Oh, I can call this person today mm-hmm. and they would do this. And I got yeah. to about almost a hundred people and I said, okay, if, if I'm at a hundred, we got at least two year runway on doing this. Definitely. And then now what has happened now people are reaching out and I'm, I'm meeting new people. Mm-hmm. Um, I've met new people in NFL, MLS, NWSL, hockey, and, and ticket sales, companies that own ticket companies, mm-hmm. um, entertainment spaces and, and agencies and agents I've never met or, or worked with before. And so it's been a great relationship builder and a network provider. Um, but also just really, uh, you know, our emphasis of this, of the, of the sports leader feature each week is to celebrate their amazing work, but also provide access to, to the masses for people that want to hear from a high level executive in sports on how they got there. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think the, the access point to these individuals are sometimes difficult, right? They're super busy. They have a lot going on. They're getting tons of LinkedIn messages. They're getting tons of people asking them for jobs mm-hmm. or opportunities. And this is a way for them to give that information in a really concise way. And then the reader has about three minutes a week where they have to read something and hopefully walk away with, with a learning lesson. And mm-hmm. one of my life mottos is you're one moment, you're one call, you're one meeting away from a life-changing moment. You just got to be ready for it. Mm-hmm. And so hopefully each week when someone reads that feature, they take one thing away from it. That's all that I'm hoping that they do. And that changes their trajectory, just like it did for me to hear you could go work at Nike. Mm-hmm. That changed the last 20 years of my life. I met my wife at Nike. We have two girls now. And that's from listening to one person that I talked to one time 
and said you could work at Nike. And I left college basketball to go make $11.25 an hour at a store, mm-hmm. right? I didn't have a leg up. I had no internship. I didn't have people that I knew at the company at the time. And that changed my life. So I'm hoping to do the same through our platform at SPV. Definitely. That's a great way to put it. You're always one moment away, one person away, one conversation away. Just like you and Nico. I mean, your, your conversation, yeah. Nico, being a five-minute conversation, branched all <laughs> the way up to the you know relationship you have today. And obviously both yeah. you know made better off of having a great relationship and a friendship. Having a friend forever, but also a good connection. Obviously, he works in the Mavericks. You worked your way all the way up in Nike. Having those connections is obviously great. He has a lot of connections. You have a lot of connections. So it's great to network like that. And you're also being a great friend, uh, obviously, at the same time. But neither one of you probably ever envisioned yourself, you know, getting to the point you, you, you got to today. Uh, so it's obviously great you guys, you know, worked your way all the way up uh, and obviously stayed connected. I think that's obviously a tough thing today. We make connections and then it's hard to really stay connected with that person for longer than a month, three months, a year. It's tough to stay in contact and say, hey, this is my new yeah. job. Just want to let you know. How did you keep all your connections along the way? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's it's tough, right? Because, you know, at the beginning of your career, it is about, you know, meeting a lot of different types of people. Mm-hmm. And I've said this for the last 10 years or so. If you start off meeting 100 people in the first couple of years of your career, and if you keep 10 of them, mm-hmm. that means you're doing something right. Yeah. Because the 90s other, 90 others will have other people they're helping or have other things that, that's going through their life. You just can't retain all mm-hmm. 100 of them. But what you can do as that 10 gets built out and the thousands and thousands of people that end up being in your contact list on your phone, it's not about as much the frequency to me of making sure you follow up and say hello and checking in on them, which is great. Mm -hmm. I think it's a great tool to do. To me, it's impossible to do where you're creating value and you're not just asking someone to text you back or call you back. Yeah. Right. But it's really about bringing added value to them. Right. Mm-hmm. Being there support from a supportive role. Right. They're having a kid or they're going through a troubling time. Hey, how can I help? What can what can, what can I do or a celebration? Right. They just had a child. Right. Being there for those moments, quick hits. Right. It doesn't always have to be, you know, let's get let's connect for 30 minutes because then no one will get any work done. Mm-hmm. But it's about being there when they need them and then them being there for when you need them. Mm-hmm. So you'll find out really quickly who those people are. But from, throughout my career, it wasn't for me to come up with a reminder to, to hit up someone every six months. That, mm-hmm. That's never been my strategy. It's been to give genuine relationships, um, opportunities to thrive through being there in supportive roles in celebratory roles. And honestly, if I'm in their city, I'll let them know. Mm-hmm. And I hope they let me know and, and know that I'm always a call away that you don't have to call me for a year and I'm still going to be your contact a year from now. That's how, it, you know, we're just going to have that trust and that relationship there versus just repetitive Mm -hmm. onslaught of keeping up with people because it's just it's a relentless pursuit that I don't think many people do that well. Mm -hmm. And I don't honestly think has that high of return Um, because then they're not it's not a genuine thing. If you're just checking in the check in. Yeah. How many text messages do we all get per day? Mm -hmm. We don't need another one to check in. Absolutely. Um, We need one to provide value. And Definitely. so that can be in, all, in a ton of different ways. Mm-hmm. So more of your career was building the more valuable relationships rather than just building, obviously, for qual- uh, quantity. You were going more for quality, obviously, uh, throughout yeah. your career. So you'd say more of your career was building and maintaining the smaller relationships, obviously, the more valuable ones, rather than being in the right place, right time and looking to you know have 100 contacts rather than just having five good ones. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I would say at the beginning, the, the thing I would add there is, you know, I did spread my network out. Mm-hmm. And, I and you know, at Nike, what I did, and I honestly didn't know I was really doing this until I was in the middle of it, but I had relationships in product creation, sales, brand marketing, comms, yeah. retail brand presentation, sports marketing. And then I started identifying, well, if I had relationships here and deep relationships with these individuals, they might offer me a job. Definitely. Which they all did. Every one of those departments offered me a job at one point throughout Nike. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't take all of them. I said no to some of them mm-hmm. or I got opportunities before I could take those. Definitely. But the mm-hmm. point of it was I did spread it out. Yeah. They were still quality relationships. Mm-hmm. Right? I didn't just put all my relationships in product marketing. I didn't mm-hmm. do that. Um, mm-hmm. I had, product, I had relationships, relationships in retail brand presentation, which is really building out the store presentations at a high level to make sure that a Dick Sporting Goods or a Foot Locker or a Nike store looks a certain way from mannequins to the way it all looks. Mm-hmm. I found out later in my career that that really wasn't where my passion was, but I still had relationships there, mm-hmm. right? And so when I was offered those jobs, I was able to then say, okay, do I want this one or do I want the sales one, right? And so I did spread it out, but I was still very strategic and tactical with who I connected with. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I didn't over-index on... If I knew Nico, I didn't need to know 10 other people. Yeah. I just need to know Nico. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's how I went about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great way to look at it, obviously. Quality over quantity rather than just looking to have a thousand people to text. Having those 25 to 30 that are really good connections, you know they'd be there, whether it's career-wise or just like you said – Checking in on the family, birthdays, whatever it may be. Those are obviously great contacts to have and lifelong contacts outside the sports industry. Like you said, Nico, you're playing basketball together. You're checking in on family and everything. That's obviously a great way uh, to stay in touch is, is checking in every now and then uh, you know, for certain events, graduations, whatever it may be. Uh, but when you look at your career, a lot of people always say when they're working in the sports industry, it's really tough to balance family time with work time since – Working in the sports industry isn't just a everyday normal nine to five. You know, you you're working basically on the clock. You can get calls at any time. How has it been your whole career balancing family wise and now you know family and work? Uh, the the balance between those two. But now, obviously, with sports business ventures, working with your wife, how's that been balancing family time? Yeah, yeah, and I think through everybody's seasons of their life, things will change, mm-hmm. and my priorities will change. And for early on in my life, when I was traveling around the world. And, and going, you know, domestically in the U.S. and then across to Europe and in Asia uh, a lot for Nike, I could. It was just me. Yeah. I had no obligations to anybody else. And so for me, those first like 10-ish years, the 12 years was great because I didn't have really anything else outside of just where I was, where I was currently at. <laughs> and, you know, as I got older in my career and I got a family that I, we started to create, uh, some of my priorities changed. I wanted to be around. I wanted to be mm-hmm. a present dad. I wanted to be uh, a present husband. For sure. And I wanted to have those those relationships with my my young daughters. Um, and so I made some career decisions based upon that. Mm-hmm. Um, where we lived, how we lived, how I worked, how I decided to work and travel. Mm-hmm. And so everybody will have their own personal uh, compass on what is right for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I try not to judge anybody if they want to do more or less of that, because everybody has their own uh, criteria of what they want it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, you know, now at SBV, we work from home and we work with, with each other every day, my wife and I. Mm-hmm. Um, and she is an incredible teammate um, outside of just work. But, uh, you know, inside of work, 
it's a really great flow and she she's great at things that I'm not as great at and vice versa. And so we uh, we try to do two major things, communicate in a way that we're almost when we're in the work setting, we're talking to another coworker mm-hmm. versus like a spouse. Yeah. Um, Cause that's important. Cause those are different types of conversations Definitely. and communication uh, mm-hmm. touch points. Yeah. And then at the same time that we're trying to break away and get that family time together um, with our kids, but also ourselves, right. Definitely. Making sure we're still having that personal time on date nights and stuff like mm-hmm. that, because life comes up fast and there's a lot of things going on. And in a world today where we're inundated by technology and messages and, and, and music and, and, and un, unlimited streaming platforms that provide entertainment at any time of the day that mm-hmm. you want. Yeah. Um, you know, we can really get lost in, in that. So we're trying to stay connected um, even when we're at work, but even more so when we're out of work. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, you guys have done a great job with SBV, and I'm excited to see all the big things you guys do in the future, which it just started over like just the last year, right? Yep. Yeah, we're about 10 months old right now. Wow. And so you're even grow- you're growing by the day, obviously, which is great. Yeah. Think about how big you guys will be three years from now, five years from now. And you're making, obviously, a lot of connections, which along the way, from when you started, you made a lot of connections. And now you're doing the same thing for kids that are aspiring to be working in the sports industry, just like you were when you were a kid. You wanted to work in sports. You're helping everyone along the way. Obviously, when you look up and you say, oh, I want to be the vice president of a team one day. I want to be a scout. I want to be this. I want to be that. It's always daunting to look at since you know everyone has to kind of work their way up inch by inch. But the great thing with you and obviously your wife as well is you guys have those connections. You guys have that knowledge of you got to start out here taking any job in sports sometimes is the right job just to kind of get your foot in the door, right? So obviously with Nike, you got your way in and you worked your way all the way up. So uh, it's obviously a great platform to have for people that are really just trying to find a way in. I think that's the hardest thing about getting into sports is really just finding your way in. You know, a lot of the time it's people have internships in the past, like you were saying with Nike, some people had internships in the past where they already had their foot in the door. But obviously with you, you didn't. So you can kind of relate to those kids that didn't have those opportunities. Uh, And one thing I want to – now I'm going to go back a little bit, uh, back to your time at Nike. How did your relationship with Giannis begin? Obviously being his business director must have been a crazy job considering the player he is today. Uh, I'm sure it was very busy. Uh, But how did your relationship begin with him? Yeah, so when when the when Nico brought me on the team, the the number one mission that he had for me was to re-sign Giannis mm-hmm. um, two years after I got there. And at the time, the relationship was unbalanced. I would say, right? There wasn't. There were some good things, and there were some tough things. Mm-hmm. And so I had to clean up a lot of things uh, with him yeah. um, to get him, you know, on the path to re-signing him. And uh, and so over the course of time you know i told him on the first time i ever met him was i'm not going to promise you anything or how much better it's going to be now that i'm here or what i'm going to provide to you let me show you just give me the opportunity to show you because everybody can promise you the world and a lot of a lot of times what those athletes people do yeah right i can do this for you i can get this done and all that mm-hmm. it was like let me just show you i'm not going to list out a thousand things and that's what i did mm-hmm. um i i kept my distance at first and just you know, did my work. Um, I know that, you know, one of my philosophies that I learned really, really early on in my career was these guys have enough friends. Yeah. They don't need another friend. Mm-hmm. If a friendship is, is, is born from the business relationship, great. But it wasn't my goal to become friends with all these athletes and, and same for Giannis. Mm-hmm. And so as, as we built it out, there was a mutual respect of hard work, um, family, uh, uh trust, communication, 
Um, we were honest with each other about things that we needed to improve on, whether it was my work or his work or company's work. Mm-hmm. And I think that created and blossomed into a really amazing relationship. And, uh, you know, at the time in the 2015, 2016 season, the Bucks were not very good. They were still at their old, uh, stadium, the BMO arena. And, uh, you know, it was one of the oldest stadiums in the NBA. <laughs> and they just got a new ownership group about two years prior. And, uh, and there was some sparks of Giannis being who he was going to be. People were starting to figure that out. And he was as well. Yeah. And, you know, so when I got him, um, as part of my portfolio, um, people were, weren't really checking on him that often. And, you know, so to go from that 2015, 16 season, the 2017-18 season, right, and see the the growth in just that amount of time to the MVP run he went on and to really almost going into the finals. You know, they lost in the Eastern Conference Finals yeah. against the Raptors, yeah. mm-hmm. um, and they were very close, to, you know, from, from going all the way uh, to going all the way. And Definitely. so really to see that that growth, that like that it was almost like a sprint yeah. um, of just development in leadership and and just an understanding of who 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 he was going to be is now was yeah. who he was now, <laughs> and it was an amazing journey to go on with him and build the business that we did. And we launched that footwear, um, the Freak One. It was the largest uh, signature Nike basketball signature launch in history, um, and we did over a hundred million dollars in sales in year one. <laughs> um, and we started off and we launched in Athens, Greece, where he's from in Sepoya. And we went to L.A., we went to Milwaukee, went to New York. Then we went to China for the FIBA World Cup. And we launched in three or four different cities there. Um, and so to travel that summer with him and build that out. And really from our first couple of conversations in Milwaukee, saying like, hey, we're going to work this thing out. It's going to be good. Just trust yeah. in me. So then be going to do that it was a pretty incredible run that we got to go on together. So one that, you know, we forged a relationship that will be a lifetime relationship and one that will look on pretty fondly and you know since then he's had his kids and our kids are about the same age and um we now are fathers and and you know we're in the next chapter of our life and it's fun to be able to do that together with someone that is such a high quality person mm-hmm. as well as an athlete but yeah, i think he's an even better person than he than he is basketball player mm-hmm. definitely yeah that relationship you guys grew obviously from when you started to the player he is now is obviously huge. And I think a big part of when you're signing players to shoe deals is trying to forecast the player they're going to be two to three years yeah. from, you know, down the line. Since a lot of the big-time yeah. players already have shoe deals where they currently stand right now if they're already a superstar. you know. And obviously Giannis is a superstar now, but back when he signed it, he wasn't the player he is now yet, obviously. Huh. So how difficult is it forecasting and trying to project – two, three, four, five years down the line, this player could be a top five, top 10 player in the league. How hot is that trying to figure it out? Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. There's a little bit of a balance of art and science, right? There isn't just a measurable metric that you can say, okay, this person does this, mm-hmm. and this returns into a signature type of an athlete or even an endorsed athlete. And I think the, the landscape of uh, athlete endorsement is changing um, I think the brands are seeing that just because you're a great athlete doesn't produce just guaranteed revenue of sales. Um, and so you have to, you have to get someone that's marketable. Mm-hmm. You have to get someone that's able to galvanize a community of people. Mm-hmm. And then you also have to have great marketing and product and service and all that. And so for me, it's not, it's a challenge, not just in the sense of finding the right athlete, 
but also then building the correct business around that athlete and and the the landscape of 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 sports but also um product uh marketing is is changing mm-hmm. right um whether that's from social media and influencers there or micro influencers that in micro communities they can make big differences in, in consumer decisions mm-hmm. and so um you know i think as we continue to evolve this space of of athlete endorsement um brands are going to be taking a really 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 strategic look at who do we need how much money do we need to spend how much money are we getting in return of that spend? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the athletes of today are their own little businesses. They're right. They can build their own little, inter- their, their own enterprises. Yeah. And in, in, in doing that, they have to have teams around them to be able to, to move at that capacity. And so I think brands will have to uh, continue to evolve to match where the athlete is, but also where the consumer is. Definitely. And sports marketing has really taken off. If you look at the NIL deal with college athletes, yeah. I mean, Ten years ago, I don't think anybody pictured college athletes, you know, making money the way they are today. You know, with deals and, and endorsements outside the game. Uh, so obviously, it's crazy the way sports marketing is taking off. But it obviously just shows how important and how big of an influence sports has in society today. Yep. Everybody watches those commercials and sees, you know, uh, Shohei Otani wearing New Balance uh, cleats, so people want to go out and buy yep. New Balance cleats. You know, so it's definitely taken off. And obviously, you're starting your business, Sports Business Ventures, I think at the perfect time because sports marketing, sports business, it's really taking off and becoming such a big industry, which it already was a big industry 10 years ago, but it's growing more and more by the day. You know, So that's obviously a great time to start your own business and, and really dive in and obviously make connections in, in everything you're doing now. Uh, but when you look yeah. back at your time with Giannis, obviously working as his business director and then having the chance to be in the front office of the Milwaukee Bucks – what was that like winning an NBA Finals? Obviously, being a part of it just for Giannis' sake, since you had a relationship with him, but also being part of the team yeah. since you were in the front office. What was that like? Yeah. It was it was an amazing journey, um, one that was very unique, right? Because I spent about five or six years with that team prior to being officially on it, mm-hmm. and at, at any given time, the athletes that were part of the Nike portfolio that were were, were with Milwaukee. From Chris Middleton, the Drew Holiday, the Bobby Portis, the Pat Cunnington, yeah. to Rashad Vaughn, to to others, right? That were part of it as they as they moved through the organization or stayed with the organization. I was really building quality relationships with the players, but also the front office mm-hmm. and uh, Coach Boonheiser as well. And so, um, you know, the 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 success that the the organization had prior to me being there on the journey of Giannis continuing to grow as a leader and as a player in the league, um, I had a, a very close connection to that organization, right? I really wanted to see them do well. Um, I cared a lot about how Giannis was doing and how the organization in itself was doing because of all the players I had on the team. <laughs> and it wasn't too different than the other organizations and players that I had relationships with. The difference was I was with Giannis a ton, right? I was building the business with him. <laughs> and so there was that connectivity to him in the organization. So then to go over there in the 2020, 2021 season and then go be officially a part of that journey to that run to the championship, but just again, an incredible moment, one that I would have never foreseen. I, I did say to John Horst, the GM, when, when I signed the contract, you know, I better get my ring size to you because we're going to win a championship. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think everybody knew they had a chance to do it. And I just, I just believe in Giannis as a person and Chris in particular, Chris is one of the best people that I know. Um, and just the way they led and Drew being 
the guy he is and everybody know how, knows how amazing he is. They really had a, a formidable team. I mean, you look at what Pat Huntington did in the in the playoffs. Yeah. You look at what Bobby did and you know how he over you know, he took over the series by just the energy he brought to the court. And, the and all the other guys too, the, the ones that I'm leaving out. But it, the the family aspect of the organization, the the camaraderie that the organization had from a front office perspective and a coaching perspective, you know, really helped Ellen and I make that decision as a family to move to Milwaukee and be part of that organization. Um, mm-hmm. And it was an amazing run. It won, uh, again, you know, to, to win a championship, just like in college, do it at the highest level of the NBA as an executive. Mm-hmm. Again, couldn't have dreamed it, but it was it was more than what I could have dreamed of. Definitely. Yeah, and it's special, not only just winning any NBA finals during the first in that franchise history. So that makes it even more special. You know, and like you said, when Giannis first got there, that team wasn't ready to win a championship for years down the line. And then obviously things really worked out. They really built around him. The Drew Holiday trade obviously worked out. So just seeing where they went from the start of his career to winning an NBA Finals ring, that team really just built you know the right way. Drafting Giannis, yeah. obviously building around him, getting right the right people, which I think a big part yeah. of sports and building a team is getting the right people. Sometimes there's players that are talented or coaches that are that are really smart, but they don't have the right you know skills to try to build you know a connection with the players. Sometimes as a coach, and then even players sometimes don't listen to the coaches or they want to play their own game and look at stats. So a big part of that team was culture, right? I mean, it looked like yeah. it was like a family. You know, from coaching, players, the front office, I'm sure, as well. It was a family aspect is what I got watching that team. Would you say that was, that's pretty accurate? Yeah, I would. I would. And I think, like, in, in real time right now, I know the Detroit Lions lost mm. in the conference championship last weekend. But, you know, to see what their growth has been as an organization and the identity that they have built um, through their head coaches. Is something that I think a lot of coaches and organizations outside of just football mm-hmm. will be looking to replicate. Yeah, right, you got Jim Harbaugh coming to the Chargers. You're going to see him build an identity with that organization. Definitely, and they're going to win or lose that way. And I think that goes back to the lesson that we were talking about earlier: is taking those risks, right? Going mm-hmm. to a retail store, or leaving college coaching, or whatever that is, doing something for almost free. There's a risk mm-hmm. there. Yeah, but there's not many times in life outside of just sports, the sports industry. Most people that kind of stay in the middle don't typically find the path of success. They might find, mm-hmm. you know, consistency or complacency. But the Jim Harbaugh's the world, the Detroit Lions, and, and what their coach has done there, and to be able to say, "Hey, this is win or lose. This is who we are." Definitely. And I think that's what the Bucks had too. This is who they are. This is what they're going to do. This is what they're going to live and die on. And unfortunately, there's a team that wins and there's a team that loses. Um, the Detroit Lions came close, but they kept to who they were. Mm-hmm. Or could there have been a couple of decisions that they might have done differently? Maybe. Mm-hmm. But again, the Bucks. you know, there's a couple bounces of the ball that goes the right way. You know, Kevin Durant, when he was on the Nets, stepped on the line, yeah. and, you know, to get us into, you know, to, to a chance to win that game. And, and those things matter. Definitely. Um, but you got to, I think you really got to know who your identity is and then amplify that and then live and die by it. Mm-hmm. Um, that goes for your career, but I think it also goes for organizations as well. Definitely. And like you said of that Bucks run, obviously things could have gone differently with Kevin Durant's foot in the line. But I felt like that team, that Bucks team, really just hit their stride at the right time. And I remember you mentioning with your college, you know, UNC Asheville, you had the injuries during that season when you made the run to March Madness. But everyone kind of got healthy and you were playing your best basketball at the end of the season. And that's what I yeah. felt like that Bucks team was doing. They were playing together yeah. the whole season, but that run – that playoff run, everyone was together in every single game. It seemed like they always battled back. 
If the other team went yeah. on a five zero run, they responded with a seven zero run. So they always played their, their their best basketball when it mattered most. And I feel that's a big yeah. part of sports, and especially a big part of winning an NBA championship. I mean, when you're building yeah. a team, a lot of the work's done in the offseason. When you're putting the roster together, you're putting you know uh, player minutes together, all that, putting the rotation together. That's a lot of work, and obviously, it's a full you know year's job. So being able yeah. to win an NBA final, especially the first in fran- franchise history, must have just been crazy. But I got one last question for you uh, before sure. I let you go. I'm sure you're busy, but what's your biggest piece of advice? for young aspiring professionals trying to get into the sports industry, which I know there's probably a million things you would say, but your number one thing since I don't want to take up too much of your time. No, no, I appreciate the question. I think it's a good one. Uh, for me, it's get experience any way you can. And don't think about the end result as much as you probably are mm-hmm. and focus on what the task is in front of you. Learn, ask questions. And, and you, to get to the NBA, I started at a – small division two school working three different jobs as an elementary school assistant teacher and a gym, you know, cleaning gyms. Right. And so I say, go to the YMCA, go to your local college, go to a local AAU team, whatever it is that you want to go do. It doesn't have to be the biggest thing at the start. And it, it just get experience, get perspective, get exposure. Those things will enable you to then have, a much more well-rounded understanding of who you are, but what you want to do and what you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. You'll find out things that you don't want to do. And that's just as important as finding out what you do want to do. Right. A lot of people put a lot of emphasis on knowing what their job's going to be while they're in college or right out of college. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that what you, what your life looks at at 21, 22, like I said earlier, will inevitably look different 10 years down the road. Definitely. Right. You might want to be in social media at 26, 27, you might find out at 35, you want to be in marketing, right? And so, you know, don't don't think too much of the end result. Do the work and get experience and uh, and just trust in the process. It's a long process. It's a long sprint. Most of us work 40 or 50 years, so we come out really invigorated out of school. Um, but we got to work. We got to work hard. And so put in the work. And, and think good things will happen. Definitely. The main thing I love about your whole journey is you really just embraced it. You embraced everything. Obviously, the struggles at the beginning. And even when things were going well, I'm sure it wasn't easy. You know, I'm sure the job was tough every single day, no matter if it was working for Nike, being Giannis's business director, working in the Bucks front office. I'm sure nothing was ever easy. But like you said, sometimes in life, the bigger things that you want to dream of and you want to obviously have as a goal you want to accomplish, you have to take those big risks and not every day is going to be great. And, and, and obviously not everything's always going to work out, but when things do work out, you obviously appreciate it more when you, knowing what you came from and starting from where you didn't work in your way all the way up. So thank you so much, Brian, for taking the time. Much appreciated. It really was an honor hearing about everything uh, you did from the beginning of playing college basketball to now having your own business. I'll definitely put your website in the description in the, in the Thanks. link uh, to your newsletter and the website. I'll put in both in the description on Spotify and YouTube. But thank you so much for taking the time. I'm sure you're busy, so it really is an honor. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me, and, and I appreciate what you're doing for the community. It's an awesome thing. Great I appreciate work. it. Thank you. Hey, no, thank you, really, because, I mean, I know you said <laughs> what I'm doing for the community, but what you're doing for kids like myself and kids that are in college, high school, uh, that's what we all want. We all want somebody that's going to be there for us and, and, and guide us. It's Everyone that wants to work in sports, we just think being in the front office and you could just step in day one and be there. But really, like you said, you kind of have to embrace that journey. And that's why I appreciate everything you're doing because there are a lot of kids that are like me that want to work in sports that don't really know where to begin. And it's great to have a connection like you 
where you know how to get in and you know how to work your way up. And obviously, like you said, sometimes just getting your foot in the door is huge. So starting anywhere, whether it's AAU, a YMCA, whatever it may be, a local high school, there's ways in. We all start on different starting lines, but we can all work our way up over time. So thank you so much for taking the time, though. Much appreciated. And I'm definitely looking forward to being in touch with you soon. I can't wait, Joey. I appreciate it again. Thank you. You take care now. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Have a good one. Thank you. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate it. I I really do appreciate it, though, truly. Like like you said, I know you said thank me for what I'm doing for the community, but what you're doing is obviously great, and so many kids dream of having a connection where you have someone that would be there for you, a mentor, and someone that can give you advice, uh, you know, just diving into the industry. So everything you're doing is great. I do appreciate it, all your advice and support. I I appreciate it. It's cool cool to be part of this stuff and and help people, and I think, you know, as as, uh, I do have to run to this next call in one No worries, yeah.